This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Hey, everybody. Welcome to True Crime Paranormal. I'm Christy Brower with my co-host and partner in crime, Katie Weaver. Hey, Katie. Hello. How are you? Well, I'm tired. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. I'm great. I'm great. Yeah. We had a wild week of weekend of camping and we're tired, but we are glad to be here with all of you. We are. We actually did have a fabulous weekend. We always camp one last time for the year in October to... Uh, really catch the fall weather and boy did we yeah. oh I know it was so nice it was beautiful and you know beautiful that all the trees are changing we were camped in a bunch of cottonwoods and cedars and it was so gorgeous mm-hmm. part of my cat that your playing cats the piano. Were playing the piano yeah yes. <laughs> it was a rather ominous tone which I think fits the story we're going to tell tonight oh well good yeah we did, uh, yes, we camped in a beautiful place, and I did, uh, we'll share some pictures here, so we talk about it a little bit so you guys can see. Yeah. I had the opportunity this afternoon, my husband borrowed his dad's side-by-side, so if you don't know what that is, it's like a four-wheeler that two people ride in, mm-hmm. and I'm not a big fan of these things because I'm a big chicken, and typically <laughs> the person you ride with goes too fast and goes to places I don't want to go, and mm-hmm. you know. Steep hills, stuff like that. Yes. And so I said, don't take me on a scary ride. I don't want to do that. And, well, he did, but he was polite enough to a few times say, this is a spot where you're going to want to close your eyes. (laughs) (laughs) That that was his version of not taking me on a scary ride. Oh, well, how convenient. Just close your eyes. We're going to do something death-defying, and then Mm -hmm. it'll all be fine, and you can open your eyes again. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It was climbing a mountain. Yeah, Mm -hmm. but she promised the view would make it all worth it, so uh, it probably did. I'm showing a little uh, clip of that for you guys right now. Mm -hmm. It's hard to see the valley where we were camped along the Snake River because it is so smoky here. Oh, my goodness. There's a lot of smoke from all the surrounding fires. Yes, we're still really getting it. Some of them from the Salmon area, which is, of course, where we're going this weekend on our next weekend on our cemetery tour. Yes, it is. I know. Hopefully it won't be too smoky there. Yeah, it should be okay. The Frank Church Wilderness there um, really seems to have a fire every year. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's a huge, vast wilderness. but It is. It is. Anyway, so that's a little footage of where we spent our weekend. It was pretty great. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Nice to be outside, but nice to be home. That's one thing I love about camping is that coming home is just as fun as being out. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Excellent. Yep, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, my dachshund wanted to say hello. You all can hear her. She's <laughs> Are your dogs worn out? My dogs have been asleep since we got home. Oh, yeah. Mine too. Yeah. Big babies. And they didn't even have to unload the van. I mean, come on. <laughs> Spoiled. Well, yeah. maybe we ought to get to today's yes. case. Let's do it. 
So this is a case that was suggested by a listener, so thank you very much for that. We do appreciate that. This was a message on our Facebook fan page. We get those as well as comments on YouTube, and we love all of them because it's really fun to go and find cases we didn't know about or or to cover cases that you all are most interested in. So this is the case of William Terrell. William Terrell went missing in September of 2014, September 12th. He was three years old at the time that he vanished. So what I want to do, because this is a cold read case. Katie didn't know what we were going to cover. And she hasn't researched this. And he disappeared. Tell me one more thing. He disappeared. Okay, so I'm going to give you the timeline. I felt like that might be the easiest for you to read this because there's a lot of stuff out there. So he disappeared on September 12th, 2014 from New South Wales. Okay. He was three. He was dressed in a Spider-Man outfit. And he was playing in the garden while visiting his foster grandparents. Right. So his foster mother, who was there at the time, you know, discovers he's missing within 10 minutes or so. You know, she goes in the house to do something, comes back out. He's nowhere to be found, you know, calls the police. Like, they come. She calls the police at, like, 10.56 in the morning, and they're at 11.06. I mean, it's very fast. And they search for him. Uh, So the the house where he went missing from is very, is, like, right across the street from a big wilderness, basically. So they're searching and searching and searching. Um, the surrounding bushland and neighboring houses, the police go, you know, they do this huge door-to-door search, every house in the area, Mm -hmm. wilderness within a many-mile radius, looking for this little boy, and they find zero, absolutely nothing. This kid just vanished out of thin air. Oh, wow. So on September 21st, they give up. They stop searching. They have nothing more to go on. They've looked everywhere they know to look. They don't have any evidence. They don't have anything. So nothing really happens other than he's just gone. Until January 20th of 2015, the police searched the home of the guy that lives across the street. No, no, I'm sorry. I have this wrong. They searched the home of this guy named Bill Spedding who carried out repairs on the house across the street. So he was a washing machine repairman. And so they searched his house because he'd been there at the time that the little boy was living there or was visiting there. He'd seen him before, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So they take some things and include, you know, and test like a mattress, a computer, vehicles. They even drained his septic tank. Found nothing. Um, he denies any involvement and, um, they, this goes nowhere because basically there's just no evidence against this guy at all. Yeah. So there's a lot of changing of the guard in this case, as far as, um, who is investigating it. And there is also some allegations of misconduct that happens in this case with the police. Mm-hmm. It's pretty interesting. So in February of 2015, some homicide detectives take over the case, and they say they believe that William was abducted. In March of that year, they search another area of the bushland near Bonnie Hills, 
for three days after a tip-off, they have this huge amount of tip-offs, okay? They have like 2,800 tip-offs in this case. None of it pans out. Now, on April 17th, Williams' foster parents speak publicly for the first time um, in, in a video, but the police don't identify them. So there's this really weird situation where this little boy is in foster care. Right. Well, because of privacy laws, they can't say he's in foster care, but because he is, they can't release the name of his foster parents, nor can they release the names of his biological parents. Ugh. So it's this real weird bureaucratic thing that mm-hmm. some people really feel like kind of hampered this case. Mm-hmm. They were protecting confidentiality that people were like, we don't care. Please don't protect our confidentiality. We just want to find this kid. And right. this got all wrapped up and weird. Like they actually had to go to court over that. And we'll talk about mm-hmm. that in a minute. Um, in also in April of 2015, the police have decided that the, that the boy might have been the victim of a local pedophile ring. And it turns out there are a bunch of pedophiles in the area. They look at all of them. They don't find anything. So at this point, it just feels like they're just grasping, basically. Um, in September of 2015, the nine networks, so this is in Australia, so whatever that is, um, si- oh, 60 Minutes, it's their 60 Minutes, they revealed that there were two suspicious cars parked on the street the morning that William went missing. So there were two cars parked out there that people didn't recognize And they really wondered, like, you know, could this have been who abducted him? Mm -hmm. But again, they have nothing. They don't have really any details other than the colors and makes of the cars. Like, they just don't have anything. Mm -hmm. Um, So on September 12th of 2015, this is one year he's been missing. They start Where's William Week, which is launched um, after he disappeared. And there's a lot of work done on the behalf of this little boy. There's a a website called whereswilliam.com, I think. They, um, the, the government actually offers a million-dollar reward for information leading to his return. So the government tries to get involved. Despite this, they go a whole other year with no information, no movement on the case at all. So in August of 2017, they finally reveal that William was a foster child. Right. After the court ruled that, you know, his his um, case, his abduction case supersedes all the privacy laws and that they, it's okay to release that he's a foster kid, mm-hmm. who his parents are, you know, who his foster parents are, biological parents, all that stuff. Yeah. But, but I mean, we're two years out now right. before any of that information is released, which is crazy. So that's the only thing that really happens in 2017. In 2018, in June, New South Wales police announced the start of a four-week forensic search of the bushland and it's conducted by what they call it i don't know why they call it this strike force roseanne so they basically form like a special task force to look for william and it's detectives and forensic experts and it's all these people and they named it strike force roseanne i don't know why it wasn't strike force william (laughs) i'm very confused by that but anyway that's what they name it and so they form this, this um, you know, special force of people. But the weird thing about it is, I mean, this is literally eight, four years after this little boy has gone missing. Then right. they finally form this special task force. Right. Like, why um, did that happen a whole lot sooner? Yeah. I mean, it seems like they did do things, but why? 
not they, that they did, but, but yeah, they waited a really long time, and there was a lot of criticism from the family at the time that this was just for show. Mm-hmm. The strike force and all that stuff was like, come on, you know, it's been four years, and yeah, it took you this long. Mm-hmm. Um, so they continue a forensic search of the bush, you know, thinking that maybe his body's out there somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, so then in June, they decided that they are going to expand their search radius to 800 square miles. Holy cow. I don't know. Um, so they're continuing to look. Um, and then in June, also, that search ends, and the detective chief inspector at the time, which is Gary Jubilin, he says the case could go soon to a coroner, so they could at least rule that is this a death? Is this a, you know, abduction? I mean, they, right? you know, this is Australian court, so it's different than what we're mm-hmm. familiar with. Um, in September of that year, they the police say they did find a burned-out car wreck that belonged to a former person of interest in the case, and they wondered if that had something to do with it. Um, in December, the coroner says that William could still be alive, and the inquest will determine if he died or not. I, I frankly have no idea how the inquest is going to determine that because uh, they don't have a body. Right. So 2019 in February, DCI Jubilin, he's the, he's the guy who was the chief inspector. He gets removed from the investigation and um, he is accused of misconduct. So there's just so much chaos around this case. Mm-hmm. It's just like nobody could stay focused on it. So in March of 2019, the inquest into his disappearance begins, and his biological and foster parents appear over the course of a week, and they get questioned, of course, at the inquest. Uh, They focus on William's family situation and everything that leads up to his disappearance. Um, They, you know, they questioned his biological parents, his foster parents, neighbors who helped with the search. And it comes out that in 2012, William's biological parents stole him, and he was missing for six weeks. This is when he went into care. Now, I got to say this because it gets confusing because in the U.S., there's foster care, and then there's adoption and guardianship, right? Right. But a lot of times in other countries, and I know that this is the case in Australia, that foster parents can take a child on for the rest of their life, basically, till you know, they're an adult. Mm-hmm. But I think it's actually just guardianship. It's not actual adoption. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what happened in this case. So they call them the foster parents, but really here we would probably have referred to them as the adoptive parents. Sure. Because it's just, it's a little difference in the way the legal system works there. Mm-hmm. So really these parents had had him for a long time and were planning to have him, you know, through but into adulthood. Mm-hmm. That had been the intent. Uh, let's see. So we know that the biological parents had stolen him in 2012 for six weeks. Right. There's nothing out there that says if they exonerated them or not, which is just weird. Mm-hmm. Of course, the biological father slams the authorities for letting them down, and this is all their fault, and blah, 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 blah. Um, then the DCI, who's <laughs> uh, accused of misconduct, quits the police force. Well, that's helpful. You know, he was the yeah. lead detective on this case. Yeah. He was charged with four... Four charges of breaching the Surveillance Devices Act. 
Oh. Um, and that he was unlawfully surveilling someone in relation to this case. So then in August, they go back for more inquest. Um, so they do talk to Bill Spedding. He was the washing machine repairman mm-hmm. and, that, and the guy that was a person of interest. He has um, a very clear alibi. He mm-hmm. went to um, coffee with his wife that morning, and then he went to a school assembly to see their child. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, like tons of people saw him. He, he didn't do it. Yeah. There are all these claims that people have seen William Terrell, that they have seen him since he went missing. And at the inquest, there's one where there's a man who says that he saw William Terrell, like, in the back of a car. Mm-hmm. He called it a speeding car on mm-hmm. the day that he went missing. Mm-hmm. He had reported this to the police, but he'd been waiting for the police, and they never did interview him. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> let me stop you there for sure. a minute. Um, I guess. I don't know. Or should I just let you finish? It's okay. What do you want to say? Well, I just want to say that. Um, so my hit here is that he was kidnapped. I don't believe he was ever in the bush. I don't think that that's. They could search that forever. They're never going to find him. He wasn't there. I do mm-hmm. believe that he was kidnapped. Uh, and, and I suspect that they probably did see him in a speeding car because mm-hmm. that's exactly where he was. But carry on and then I'll tell you more about why. Okay. What I'm seeing there. Sure. So <laughs> it took a thousand days for the police to interview him about what he had reported that he saw. Mm-hmm. So that's, you know, three years. Super helpful. Three years later. Yeah. Um, so the coroner, of course, jumps on that. And then they find that the, the, so there's this picture of him that was supposedly taken on the day that he went missing. Mm-hmm. Then that they find that the timestamp on the image is wrong. That the image was created at 7.39 a.m. and then there was a corrected time of 9.37 a.m. So mm-hmm. now they can't really, this picture doesn't really mean anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so then they just delay the inquest for another eight months. There's mm-hmm. supposed to be more hearings in March of 2020, although I don't think that they've actually happened yet. Oh, no, it did. It did. Hang on. I'll get there. It's just like there's so much stop and start in this case. Mm-hmm. I don't know how they're ever going to solve it, frankly. Mm-hmm. So they do release some footage of William with his family the day before at McDonald's. So they do have proof of life like before that. Because, of course, you know, they have to look at, okay, did the family report him missing when he, you know, we've been through these situations before, like with the, like with the Orkoons and the Daybell case. Like when Mm -hmm. can we prove that this child was still in physical existence? And the day before, they have footage of them at McDonald's. So they do Mm -hmm. know that on um, September 11th, 2014, he was, in fact, living. Mm -hmm. So then, this is so bizarre. Um, In, like, February and March, Gary Jubilin, the detective that quit and was in trouble, he defends himself against charges of illegally recording a person of interest in the case. His name was Paul Savage though there was never any charges against Paul Savage. Mm-hmm. Um, he had a real need to uh, 
hang his hat on this case. Yeah. The- yeah. And I think it's kind of unfair to him as well. I mean, obviously he was breaking the law and doing things he shouldn't have been doing, but I feel like he uh, was receiving so much pressure as well to get something on the, you know, mm-hmm. that he kind of, I don't know. He feels like a bit of a scapegoat, you know? Oh, but I think so. I mean, basically told a- do whatever it takes to get something solved on this case, because honestly, I think it put the castle police in a really uh, ineffective light, you know, and didn't yes. make them look good. And so there was a real, you know, push to him to get something figured out. And so he was willing to go to just about any lengths. I think he was kind of told he could go to any lengths to uh, to get this case figured out. And then when he did, you know, when he got busted, it actually cost him his job. But right, yeah, I think he was it, he kind of took the fall unfairly. I think because mm-hmm. this was, I, well, I mean, it's, it's botched from day one. I mean, you can see that oh, it's botched from day yeah. one from the way that it's been handled. Yeah, um, but you know, somebody's going to take the fall for that. Yeah. So good old coronavirus got in the way. Um, in March of 2020, the inquest started again, but stopped within two days, only went for two days, and then corona happened, and they had to shut it down. Mm-hmm. They have not resumed it yet. Okay. But in February of this year, mm-hmm. um, Frank Abbott, a man named Frank Abbott, was arrested and in custody for the purpose of a police interview about his disappearance. Um, in April of this year, um, Gary Jubelin was convicted of the charges of the unlawful um, surveillance and fined mm-hmm. $10,000. And now the police, the last real news on this is that the police in June of this year launched a new search for him near Heron's Creek, which is where Abbott lived at one point. Hmm. And so there's some belief that he was involved. There's a, there's a book written by a woman who's done a bunch of private investigation on this. She believes that he was um, snatched by some people. And, you know, I, there's all kinds of theories and stuff. But, I mean, literally, the police don't have shit on this. Yeah. Still, I mean, they've got Frank Abbott. They're searching his property. That's the last that I've seen on this case. They still have not found this little boy. Yeah. And they really have nothing on, okay. you know, it's all just conjecture at this point. So yeah, that's the story. It's bizarre. It's so mm-hmm. drawn out and strange and handled so weirdly. I just, mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm very curious to hear what your take is on this. Okay. So um, I don't think Frank Abbott did anything. Um, to this kid, I think he's a known sex offender or a suspected sex offender that, uh, you know, should probably have some eyes on him, but I don't feel like he was responsible in this case. Okay. This little boy was kidnapped by a woman. Uh I don't think it had anything to do with his bio parents. Uh, obviously they've, you know, made that misstep before, but I don't feel like it was them this time. However, Mm -hmm. I'm sure pissed off that, uh, you know, this happened and. Yes, the state failed them or whatever, but mm-hmm. but I don't think it was them either. I see a woman in a brown car with short hair okay. and short brownish hair. Uh, it's like everything about her is brown. Like I feel like her clothing were pretty drab, are quite drab. 
She looks to me to be in her mid thirties, very nondescript woman. I don't feel like she is Australian. Okay. I believe she's English. I feel like she moved to Australia about six months before and had just recently, like within just a very short amount of time, moved into a brand new apartment. She buried a child. I think she buried a child in England. And she, I believe, actually moved to Australia to get a fresh start and to just move on. I feel like she has family or has roots in Australia, maybe, or or maybe had, like, you know, some some ancestry there or whatever. Mm -hmm. Everything I see about her is books. I see all these books around her. It really makes me wonder if she's a librarian or perhaps a professor Mm -hmm. or something that uh she's a a professional of some sort i think but i see all of these uh like leather bound books around her okay i I smell books around her Mm -hmm. um since her son had died and i feel like her son had died a couple of years ago at least maybe even okay well no i would say a couple of years ago maybe from the time that william was kidnapped yeah like 2012 ish yeah. Yeah. Um, not, I, I don't know. That's a pretty tight timeline somewhere in there, but at any rate, so she had had a child and her child was ill. Her child, I feel like had some kind of a, um, like a really aggressive early onset cancer or something like that, because I feel like she actually like took care of this, this little one and he died. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that's, uh, that's what happened. So anyway, she did move to Australia to get to, to just get her life back on track. Sure. Um, I feel like she, for a while she had had some kind of uh, a delusion that her son was out there somewhere and she just had to find him. Okay. And uh, which, like I said, I think it's uh, like, I see her in a very professional capacity, you know, that she, she works and seems to be quite okay, but is not. Mm-hmm. And, and has these ideas going. I feel like she was looking for a child, looking for her son. I feel like she, for a while, had been looking for her son. Mm-hmm. And she happened to see our little hero out in the yard in his Superman costume. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's really key because I feel like there's some link to her son with Superman. Okay. The only thing about Spider-Man. it is... Or Spider-Man. I feel like her son was actually, like, would have been, not would have been William's age, was William's age when he died. Mm-hmm. But uh, anyway, so would have been a couple of years older. And that's what is kind of interesting to me about this. And I'll get to that. But anyway, I feel like she grabbed him. I feel like it happened really fast. I feel like she literally just sprinted to the garden, picked him up, sprinted to her car, and got the hell out of there. Mm-hmm. And it just happened that fast. The reason why I don't think anyone realizes it is because she had just moved into a new apartment and she moved her son in. I feel like she keeps to herself. Her neighbors don't really know her. Mm-hmm. I feel like the more this little boy has been around her, the more, uh, you know, she's just, she calls him by the name of her dead son. I feel like her, the birth certificate that she's using. You know, like the mm-hmm. identification she's using for him 
are is from her son, but I mm-hmm. feel like that's not really been identified because he's his death was in another country, mm-hmm. you know, and so there's really no record of that. He just has these are his, his paperwork. But the thing about it is that it doesn't really match up to his age. Mm-hmm. And and that's the one thing that I feel like at some point someone might find suspicious is that I, I do think that the, her son was maybe 18 months to two years older. Mm-hmm. And so that is one thing that I feel like is, is a little hard to fake, you know, but maybe as he gets older, that gets easier, you know. But um, so I do feel like, you know, that, that that's what happened. And that she just moved right into this apartment that she, well, she just moved in. So she has this little boy and I just feel like she keeps to herself and nobody ever really identified that that wasn't her son. Mm-hmm. And in some ways, even her, you know, because she was not well and mm-hmm. had this idea that she was looking for her son. And so she just, I feel like she had his things. And so this little boy just fit right into her life as her son. And I think he's alive. I feel like he's alive and well. He's wow. just, uh, he, he's being raised. I feel like she lives in a very, very large city and has managed to just really blend in mm-hmm. with him. Um, I don't have a great prediction about where whether they'll ever actually find him. The word that comes up for me with her is Hazel. Is that her first name or her last name? I'm not sure, but Hazel is the word that comes up to me every time I feel into her. But okay. again, I feel like she's a librarian or a professor, somebody who uh, deals with books and learning. That's her profession. And I feel like she's just living life as a single mom with this cute little boy. And that's how it is. Wow. Yeah, It's interesting because many people, including the family, believe he's alive. Mm-hmm. Like like a lot of people believe that this kid is alive. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's I believe been so. the impression that a lot of people have is that he was not killed. Yeah. And yeah. No, uh, he's well and he's happy. I mean, you know, he obviously has been through, but you got to know, I mean, this little guy's been through some transition in his life. You know, yeah. he went from bio parents to foster parents to bio parents to foster parents and then new mom, you yeah. know? And so, you know, I feel like he adapted quite well. Not that he hasn't, you know, of course missed his family and I'm sure cried for his mommy plenty, you know, but he has adapted quite well and doesn't have, you know, I mean, he was too young to really have memories, you know, of being taken. This mm-hmm. is just his life and this is his mommy and he's happy and well adjusted. She, she takes excellent care of him. She adores him. Wow. So will they find him? I have no idea. Honestly, I don't have a great hit that they will. I suspect that they won't. But yeah. that's what however, I mean. you know, stranger things have happened. Maybe when he's uh, 18 or 20 or something, he does an ancestry test and discovers, you know, that the familial GN- DNA will help with this one. Could happen. Mm-hmm. But Good. not until then, I suspect. Because wow. Especially because she has documentation, you know. Yeah. Yeah, it's There's not really somebody that's trying to hide a kid that doesn't have a birth certificate. He does, but because it's from another country, the fact that that child also has a death certificate, yeah. it's just not been identified. No, I mean, who would know to check? Right, right. So that's that is my take. So good news that he's he's healthy and well. Very sad that he's separated from his family. Yeah. Very very interesting case. I. Mm-hmm. You know, I I had the same hit. I've thought all mm-hmm. along in researching this that this kid is not dead. It doesn't mm-hmm. feel like a death at all. 
Mm-mm. But it's Joshua, just so strange. by the way. I really think his name is Joshua. Joshua. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's so interesting because there's zero connection between her and this child as far as mm-hmm. the abduction is concerned. I mean, they've found nothing. They have no yeah. evidence. Well, yeah. you kind of know why, don't you? Yeah. They wouldn't she just have any random evidence. stranger snatch that had never yep. had any connection with him or his family. How were they going to find her? She had been trolling neighborhoods for a while. Mm-hmm. Parks, you know, kind of chilling out in her car, just kind of driving around looking to find in her mind, really, her son. Mm-hmm. I think she couldn't. There was that part of her that couldn't accept that he was gone for good, yeah. you know. And so she was on a quest to find him. I mean, I know parts of that don't make sense, but I don't think you can justify that behavior with what would make sense considering, you know. It's definitely in a a delusional state in which, you know, she's not behaving rationally and she's not, she can't tell what's real and what isn't real. Right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That, what an interesting case. I hope our, uh, our Australian followers, uh, find this interesting because i'm sure yeah. this is one of those you know famous cases kind of like dior kunz's to us yeah about an an, a, an unsolved missing child who's been now missing for years mm-hmm. you yeah. know very significant questions around that yeah and honestly at least it's a more positive outcome that the yeah. child is alive yeah well you know i mean unfortunately had they spoken with that gentleman long beforehand maybe they would have recovered him because i feel like he really did yeah yeah well yeah because they basically said that he he was just sitting in the back seat of a car riding like Mm -hmm. he wasn't you know restrained or anything he was just riding in a car just riding in a car oh yeah but you know for a, a foster child that young who yeah had been with biological parents foster parents biological parents foster parents probably had a social worker it wasn't unusual for adults to come and get him for various things, you know, right. mm-hmm. probably didn't recognize that as not being okay. Mm-hmm. He Agreed. Was, so he was pretty little, but even mm-hmm. a three-year-old might scream and cry, but this kid mm, but, his experiences probably wouldn't. Right. Well, and I, she likely promised him something, mm-hmm. you know, we're going to go get ice cream or we're going to go get a toy or something. And, you know, a three-year-old. Yeah. It's probably not going to be that big of a struggle to get them to come to the car. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's very true. Wow. Yeah. Wow. What a case. It's quite a story. It is quite a story. I I, I wish for the family that there was some, you know, closure for them, for the, for the foster family and and the biological family to know at least that he's okay. Yeah. Very strange one. Yeah. Well, I'm glad they haven't given up hope because I'm with them. Yeah. Very interesting because that is the belief um, coming from the family and then just other people affiliated with the case. There's a, there's a, a, another angle to this, a woman that is a um, private investigator who wrote a book Mm -hmm. who believes that he was taken by three people and that he is dead and that they will find him, you know, that they will find his body soon and a bunch of stuff, but it's, it's it's all conjecture on her part, just like it is on everybody else's, because right. there's no evidence. There's nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh. Yeah. That's too bad. I know. So weird that for him that he doesn't even know this about himself, you know? 
Yeah, and maybe never will, you know, or won't for a good long time. Yeah. Yeah, no kidding. Well, the good news is she's a great mom. mm -hmm. You know? At least he's well and cared for. Oh, yeah, he's deeply loved and cared for. Wild. Well, Aussie friends, please, you know, weigh in in um, YouTube. Please also be aware that our goal is the psychic read, not all the details. So yeah. that's why, like, I give a timeline and not all the information. I know I didn't go into all the suspects. I didn't go into all the stuff. Trust me, we know we didn't do all of it because the point here is just to give Katie the basic rundown so that she can give the read. Mm-hmm. So if we've missed things, it's okay. We're just trying yeah. to get the basic gist of the story so that Katie can read yeah. the story. And if there's some extra things you want to fill in, please do. Oh, yeah. Please definitely. do. But, you know, try not to be too mad at us because we missed a detail here and there. Uh, that's not necessarily our focus. In a lot of these cases, we could do many episodes on to yeah. get all of those details into. And frankly, then we would, it would get boring. We would cover a whole lot less cases and... Uh, it would take an enormous amount of time to uh, to do that research, and it's not really our goal. Yeah, you know. Yeah, we want to give the the basic story so that it can be read and 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 some idea of what the outcome is can be shared. So, you know, we, we have a little different focus than a lot of true crime shows do. At least on these cases, obviously, we cover other some some other cases in minute detail, like we do the Daybell and Ballow case. But yeah. For these cases, yeah, this is just kind of how we choose to cover them so that we can yeah, get to on the, a cold read case. Read. Yeah, 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 to a cold read, definitely. Yeah, well, and also, uh, these are the kinds of cases that we can move through quickly, but we can pique your interest, you know. And so, mm -hmm. I would imagine that a lot, at least of a lot of our American listeners, have never heard of this case. And so, yeah. if this, you know, grabbed you, please go research it, you yeah. know, go dive down the rabbit hole. Mm hmm. Yeah, go get all the deets. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Well, before we sign off, should we share a little info about our new episode coming? Or Let's our new do. What are we going to call it? Our well, new, our new, well, it's a weekly live stream. It's mm -hmm. our. We're going to do a weekly live stream on Thursdays. Now we do one on Wednesdays. It's a show update. Sorry, mm -hmm. my hair is just driving me insane, and I can't stop looking at the video. <laughs> Stop. Um, yeah, so we're going to start coming to you live on Thursday evenings, probably around 8 p.m. Mountain, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. And we're going to do a psychic show. Yeah. So it's kind of a fun angle with this show because we do true crime, and some of you guys are here for the true crime. We know. That's okay. If you're here for the true crime and you don't want to come in for the, the psychic show, that's totally cool. Mm -hmm. Some of you guys are here for the psychic stuff, the paranormal stuff more than you are for the true crime, this one's for you. Yeah. You know, if you're a crossover and you love it all, welcome. Please you know, if you know nothing about any of it, but you just want to come and play, please do. Yeah. But we will do a show where we'll be, you know, talking about more psychic topics. Mm -hmm. That uh, show we did last week, the past lives in children. Yeah. Um, a lot of you guys contacted us with a lot of questions and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, comments and uh, experiences. And we realized we're kind of missing uh, the boat by not doing, you know, a, a specific, you know, psychic show every week. So yeah. we will likely have a topic and then we'll do some readings from the chat rooms as well. And so you can look forward to that on Thursday nights. So, yeah, that's just one more offering from us now. So we'll be here 
you know, our, our main uh, event usually will go live on Monday mornings like normal mm-hmm. and live stream on Wednesday night to update our cases. And if we don't have a lot of updates, uh, potentially just bring a new case. Sometimes we can find a solved case that we can share and give you guys a good, you know, I almost said give you guys a happy ending. And I didn't want to say that. But well, I it kind of is like it feels good to hear a, a, a case that is solved and, you know, get to the bottom of things. Yeah. Because we talk about so many unsolved cases. I, I love sharing some that, you know, you're like, oh, man, finally this like yeah. that serial killer we talked about last week that finally, you know, yeah. he's been convicted for at least two of his, you know, three suspected victims. And it's, it's a good yeah. Thing. yeah. So and then our Thursday show, our psychic show. But this weekend, of course. Keep yep. an eye. It'll be mostly through live stream and some of it will probably be released later because some places we think we probably won't have very good service. We're hoping. We're going we're but, talking rural Idaho, guys. Even more rural than where we normally live. So Right. Right. Like we're going into the Yeah. <laughs> into the backwoods. Into the backwoods for sure. Uh, but we are going to be doing at this point, it looks like we'll be hitting four, maybe five cemeteries. Um, showing you some very cool old cemeteries, telling you some stories, uh, finding the graves of some people that are buried there and telling you more about them and how they died. And it's going to be a ton of fun. And we're hoping mm-hmm. this will be the first of many cemetery tours. Yeah. And, and maybe down the road, some cemetery tours that we can do together. So hey, we'll see. Cool. Yeah. When it's not so covid out. Yeah. When it's not so covid out. Right. That's your, I, I like that. That's your new term. And I, I think it's a good yeah. idea. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, watch for that. Definitely watch for our our regular live stream on Wednesday night and our new psychic live stream on Thursday night. Mm-hmm. And then over the weekend, you'll be seeing some live streams and then some up uploads later, you know, kinds of things, just depending on how we are with service where we're at. But we will be sharing all of that. So we have a lot mm-hmm. coming up in the next week. Yeah, we do. Well, and probably some of our adventures from the road, too, because. Um, oh, yeah, because, you know, somewhere we travel well. <laughs> if you don't know about weird stuff happening to us, please go watch Dior Coons. <laughs> our, our, our episodes on Dior Coons, because we, we took a road trip. We had some really weird experiences while we were out. And mm-hmm. we shared those along with telling the story of Dior Coons' disappearance. Yeah. So, yeah. Pretty normal for us. Yeah. Yep. Well, thank you for joining us here on True Crime Paranormal. Of course, you can find us over on Facebook. We have a fan page, True Crime Paranormal, mm-hmm. and we have a discussion group and we'd love it if you join that and come talk to us about our cases and we do have a patreon and so we're uh true crime paranormal on patreon if you are interested in supporting what we do that always helps us just keep doing what we do and so we really mm-hmm. appreciate you being here whether you're on youtube or you're on a um, podcast platform wherever you're listening we just appreciate your support and don't forget to like comment and share wherever you are uh, that helps us grow And we just really appreciate all of you. We would not be here without you. Absolutely. All right. Thanks, guys. Take care. Have a great night, day, afternoon, whatever. If you're enjoying this podcast, don't forget to like and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. If you're watching us on YouTube, you can always like and subscribe there as well. We also love comments and reviews. True Crime Paranormal is hosted by Katie Weaver and Christy Brower and produced by Christy Brower. True Crime Paranormal is a short girl productions podcast.